three, two, <laughs> one, and we're live. <laughs> we're live, live on the microphone here. Ooh. No takes. You, know, you always got to get everything adjusted. I I barely even know how to use this iPhone, and it just gets uh, fancier and fancier as time goes by. When when is this iPhone enough? Do you want more? Do you need more? Do you feel like do you need that thing to like what else can it do? Like what I man, I'm like a big tech geek, right? Like we're sitting here and I got my whole I know. my whole I know. setup here. So, so I'm you asking know. you, what else do you need that phone to do though? I probably don't need it to do much of anything more than what it does, but mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I I like it. And, and here's the thing is like my business, right? Like all my business, everything I do is able to be done remotely. I don't keep paper files. I do everything digitally. And I can do like 90% of my work from my phone. So having a, a very robust phone is very important for me for doing things like sending emails and you know, just various work that I can do legal research on my phone and all that. So I like having a robust phone. I like having a, I, I've been tempted to get the, like the giant one just for a bigger screen. I, I see the, I see that. But again, <laughs> we're not talking about what else it needs to be added to the phone now. Right. Because I mean, I stream off my thing. I listen to music. I do, I can do emails. I can record fantastic videos which I'm terrible at and I can yeah. take good pictures, which I'm terrible at. Yeah. And then there are all those cool apps that are really all you need to do all the, uh, editing and all those different deals. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I get Yeah. And I, I, that being said, I'll I, totally get a new phone. Right. Like when they, once they make like an iPhone, that's like the old school flip phone or something like in an iPhone status, like I'm down. I'm surprised they haven't yet. That that Who did that? Somebody did Samsung. That. Samsung has the flip yeah. and that thing looks cool. Yeah, I'm not into the flip phone. I I just miss the old was it the it was a razor. Yeah. You remember the razor? Mm-hmm. The razor man, your status when you had like somebody had a razor and you still had like a Nokia. It was <laughs> it was bad. Like they were it was beyond popular. I had the uh, I had the razor eventually, but I was probably late to the game. And then I had this tiny little Samsung. You know, I mean, it was like a quarter of an iPhone, probably. Mm-hmm. And it was that, that's when we were in that mode of like everything gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And then iPhone came out. I had the very first iPhone though, and I was skeptical because there were some earlier touch phones before that. Like my sister had one, and it was terrible. It just yeah. It didn't work. It was it was not good, uh, but man, yeah, I've I've gone back and forth. I've had some Samsungs too, but uh, I don't know. I I get excited about all this stuff. I mean, for me, like waterproof is is probably like a, a big thing that needs to be added to like totally. really make it. Yeah, the, that that I can see. That's a viable thing right there. You should be able to just go underwater with the thing. Talk on the damn phone if you want, you know, underwater for a second. I'm talking at least take pictures, right? Um, that kind of stuff. But that's that's all there. It's amazing. Like I watch, they, if they want that, yeah. they have that. Already. Yeah. Like you said, the quality and everything is crazy. Because 
Um, this is, I don't even know if I should admit to this. I love the pioneer woman. Okay. What is this? <laughs> the pioneer woman, yes. Ree Drummond. She's actually here in Oklahoma. Like she lives in Oklahoma and she has a, like a cooking show basically. Okay. And it's the pioneer woman. And of course she's got like products and all this stuff. I just, I love it. I'm a big fan of the pioneer, pioneer woman, but she <laughs> like, since when, when COVID happened, yeah, she's on like TV and stuff. So you will like the food channel on Saturdays or Sundays, maybe, maybe every day. I don't know. Uh, but when COVID happened, you know, so they started filming at home and they just kind of stayed doing that at her ranch house or whatever. And her family, like her kids do her videos and stuff like that. And they do it all on iPhones. Like their cameras are all iPhones and it's good enough that it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, they just use like gimbals and iPhones to, to record cool. all of her stuff. I mean, it's good enough. Yeah. It's good enough for if live you know broadcast TV. It, know how to do it. Obviously, works. I know there's tons of uh, the, the, all the influencers that use those yeah. things. Absolutely. I follow this page. I can't remember what it's called. It's something like influencers in the wild or something like that. Have you have you seen that? Yes. Oh my That's gosh. So funny. That's so great. It, like any frustration I've ever had with like what goes on with social media just kind of got cleared up. I was like, okay, this whole world exists. Like, right. I just stay too focused on the shit that drives me crazy instead of looking at how goofy people are. Yeah. The level that we're taking this to yeah. is uh, pretty it's crazy, but pretty it's cool. Absurd. It's also creative. You know, we need people to be doing creative things. I guess you got to appreciate the hustle. You do. I suppose. There's a serious, I, I do. Like when I shit on that, I, I think about that stuff all the time. Like when I'm mad about the exercise influencers, I'm always like, but you know, I respect the shit out of your hustle. Like you are, you know, I know what you're doing. The, the general public might not know. Yeah. But you are constantly putting up content, content, content. And you have a couple buddies or a team or somebody that's like editing all the time. And it is a lot of work. So it's a, it's a lot of work for yeah. sure. But hey, get on the do, do your thing, be yeah. an influencer for sure. Show your butt. Yeah. Or your Nobody abs. wants to see my either of those things. They're not. That's yeah. how, but your, your viewing, your viewership would go up. That's true. <laughs> I mean, that is a, that's a weird. That's a whole weird thing in itself, but who yeah. knows? Yeah. So you were telling me you've been listening yeah. to the Andrew Huberman podcast. I haven't listened as of recent. I've seen a bunch of stuff on the alcohol one. I think the alcohol one, like everybody, it affected, and I do need to listen to it because I've, I've seen how it affected like everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody was posting something yeah. from that and talking about, holy shit, like this is a lot more alarming than right. I thought. So back up a little bit before that, a few, it's probably been six months ago or so, maybe within the last year, I read this book and it was recommended by a friend and it's really written towards women. Um, and I think it's called like Quit Like a Girl or something like that. And it's a, a lady who was, well, I don't know that was is the right word because I, I think um, and kind of, in that world of, of alcoholism and recovery that they never say like, I was an alcoholic, like I am an alcoholic, but has, you know, been in recovery. And it was kind of an interesting story. She, it sort of becomes a little bit of a sales pitch for like her 
style of recovery. She's sort of like anti AA and that's really not the point, but some of the interesting things that she talks about that really stuck with me when I, when I, I really listened to, listened to it on audiobook. one of the, some of the things that stuck with me was the marketing. And in particular, she was pointing out how there's been this huge shift of marketing towards women. And she actually went back to, and, and talked about cigarettes that like they originally started marketing cigarettes to women. Cause at the time it was, uh, basically inappropriate for a woman to smoke in public. If they smoked at all, they like smoked at home. And there was this huge ad push by the cigarette companies to target women. And it was this like, you know, be open and young and, and, uh, rebellious and like go outside and smoke mm-hmm. and look cool and all this. And they really targeted women. So like, this is an untapped market. And, it was all this marketing of like looking like women were marketing to women of like, look how cool we are smoking. And it's a cool thing. You should be doing that. And like her point was sort of like, yeah, but it was like a bunch of old white dudes in a boardroom that came up with this. This wasn't like thought of if women should market to women. It's a bunch of old white dudes that were like, let's market to women. And, and of course then female smoking went through the roof and, and whatever else. And she said that same thing's happening essentially with, with alcohol that there's, this huge marketing push that the rates of, of women drinking has gone drastically up and actually men are drinking less, you know, kind of on the large scale where of course, what have we seen lately? White claw, truly all these sorts of things that are marketed pretty darn heavily to women. Um, but even before that sort of like, uh, wine down Wednesday and using phrases like mommy juice and talking about wine and like all these sorts of things were like these, these phrases and marketing came in really targeting women to try to get them to drink more. Mm-hmm. And so her sort of thing was like, this is bad. Cause she kind of got into drinking more heavily through work and it became an expectation almost. So it's like, it's weird if you don't, if you're not going to happy hour, you're not going to, you know, brunch on Saturdays with your coworkers and, and having mimosas and all this sort of stuff. And she just like got out of control and, you know, sort of you take that like social aspect of it. And then you bring in what the Huberman lab was talking about. And he really goes into the science of the effect of alcohol. Yeah. And I think that's what really struck me is, is one, none of us think that alcohol's well, that's not true. There is some misconception. I think that people think that alcohol in certain quantity, like oh, a glass of wine or two glasses of red wine a day is good for you, which is turns out that's like not even remotely true. Um, that really no amount of alcohol is good for you. It just isn't. But the resveratrol. Right. Right. <laughs> we, we always and talk about that, the resveratrol. And he was basically saying that like it. the amount of resveratrol one, even if resveratrol actually has any beneficial effect, jury's still out. The amount that's actually in red wine, the amount of red wine you would have to drink is just, it's to get what would be considered a significant dose of resveratrol. Just like it's, but that would be an easy study to put together to boost up wine cells. Like if I wanted to, you know, promote wine to a lot of my healthier friends and stuff, I could definitely, you know, I mean, that's just all that kind of stuff exists that way. Yeah. And, and just all the other effects of, we know, like these are, these are known factors that alcohol makes you sleep worse, that you sleep, but you don't actually go through the sleep cycles. So you're not actually getting rested. You're not actually recovering. The effect that it has on cancer rates dramatically increases the rates of cancer, in particular breast cancer for, for women, although men can get breast cancer, but dramatic increases in, in breast cancer rates. Um, just 
it, and it's poison and the, the steps your body has to go through in order to process that poison from one poison into a worse poison into something that your body can actually handle, you know? So let's be clear here before we keep going, because we can, we can make out a case that everything in some degree can turn into a poison. Now they're not obviously like a, a real piece of fruit is going to be a, it's going to, it's going to be a lot harder to make that out to become a poison or a negative in life than it is with alcohol. Um, but everything has its some sort of problems and it's interesting how we, as a society, and it just, when I always look at this, I'm always like, how, well, I guess it teaches us so many things. What I'm trying to say is like, I look at things nowadays that we're all like, I look at things out there and then some people are like following different media sources and stuff. So we all have different areas that we're looking and we formulate different things. But alcohol is that one collective poison that everybody's okay with, that everybody just kind of puts aside, doesn't worry about, finds the healthy benefits to it. It doesn't scare them while other things magically will start to scare them like certain foods and bad foods or starting a diet. It's weird how culturally we've just become so attached to it. And we've made so many excuses for it, you know, like it's, it is. And I don't remember where I've, I've, I've seen this a couple of times, I think floating around on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. And it's like alcohol is yeah the one drug or um, substance that, a negative substance that people think it's weird if you don't use it Uh, right on a large scale. I've got a lot of weird stories with that. Um, I used to, this is kind of a funny story that I told recently to somebody is I used to go to, to this neighborhood pool back in the day and there was a group of dads that were always in there and always in there drinking. And of course, those were the guys that, uh, didn't have the greatest physiques, had a little bit of extra fat, but they, they'd, had fun and they were good guys and I would always talk to them every once in a while but they wouldn't talk to me that much they were kind of like intimidated by me here's the in shape guy we're not the in, we're not that in shape this guy whatever and one day I was uh I had I was doing my drug I was high I'd smoked a little pot and I was hanging out up there and I needed some water and there was an empty beer bottle and I filled the empty beer bottle up with water it was the only cup the only container it had <laughs> so it wasn't like i was trying to be 15 again and act like i'm drinking or anything it's like all right i'll put some water in this and they literally flocked to me like it was kind of like oh the ice is broken he's one of we us can, he's one of us and then the intriguing part was that they were really intrigued by was was talking fitness because then they to them all of a sudden i was the true answer man i'm the guy that can present you can still be ripped and lean and drink on the weekends. And so they were very intrigued to like try to talk about diet or what to do. And it's kind of like, hold on, like this is water. Yeah. But it didn't even get there. It's just always, it's always interesting how if there's a beer in your hand, the conversation can go completely different than if, if there's not. Yeah. And this is where like, look, I was at the lake this last weekend and we partied hard, right? So I'm going to be very clear here. I'm not putting myself on a high horse here. But what has happened is Tara and I have been talking about it for a while about quitting drinking. And like, I think in the last week we have really seriously like taken that thought process to, okay, for real, Mm -hmm. like 
thrill. You know, I'm going to be 40 here in a handful of months and, you know, thinking through the future and again, listening to the science behind it from the Huberman lab podcast, where he talks about its effects on testosterone, which put a pin in that for a moment, but you know, just all these various things on the, how it impacts your body and in a negative way. And I'm like, you know what? I like to do jujitsu. I want to keep doing that for the next 20, 30 years. You know, I want to be able to do that when I'm 60. I want to be able to to sling around kettlebells when I'm 60. I want to be able to play volleyball when I'm 60. All these sorts of things. And it's like, well, what am I doing? And how am I taking care of myself? Because just actually today before jujitsu, Troy and I were, were there a little early and we started talking. And we were talking about testosterone and testosterone replacement therapy. And one of the things that struck me was, and we've talked about this on any number of things, but supplements and otherwise, it's like, well, there may be a place for supplements. There may be a place for testosterone replacement therapy. There may be a place for all these things, but are you doing everything else in the other aspects of your life to, to optimize your testosterone levels? So are you sleeping right? Are you eating right? Are you exercising in the right ways to, to facilitate that not overtrain it's where you're suppressing whatever. And are you drinking? Because that's an area where like, we would rather put the bandaid on it and continue our lifestyle. And it's like, look, I can take this and I can feel great and I can still do all these things and I can still party like I'm 20 or whatever. Right. And it's like, you know, maybe if you were to change things a little bit, you wouldn't need that. You know what I mean? And so it's just, it's really, this is maybe my midlife crisis, I suppose. I don't know. But it's like, it's got me thinking of like, well, I'm about to be 40. What do I want to feel like when I'm 50? And what am I doing now that's going to make that harder? You know, and I think oh, about 100%. drinking and waking up the next day, and I'm like, I feel like shit. Was it? Do I need this? 100. I think that's like you touched on a lot of things there that that got me going all over the place because it goes back to like what I always talk about is that balance. Like you found way more things that you want to sustain and be a part of your life above drinking, and then you started thinking that drinking could negatively impact these if they're not if it's not right now it could at some point and what is that conversation going to be like then well i don't want to have that conversation then um and i think that's always interesting when you can start to step back and you can start to look at your lifestyle as a whole and it it falls in line of everything we're trying to talk about just getting healthy because it is getting healthy Mm -hmm. it's physically emotionally you know mentally spiritually whatever it's looking at the entire balance of things and starting to realize like, man, this, this one negative, although has a lot of value and has a lot of fun, it chips away at a lot other things in my life that are like more me, a bigger picture of things. Right. Right. Which is the real work that I think we're all after because kind of picking backing off of what you just said of maybe your training is suppressing your testosterone. And so you start to really look at like, how, how can I optimize everything in my life to be the person I want to be? And I think that's a, I think alcohol and it definitely suppresses all those things, but, um, and we can talk about this later, but that's something that people really need to think about. It's, it's the way that they're doing everything is also contributing to those as well. Yeah. It's, you know, and then I, the, the hard part of course is the like cultural social aspect of it. Cause I do start to think about like if that, if we were to seriously give up drinking, how, 
it's weird because I'm like, it'll be hard, right? I keep thinking like, it'll be hard, whether I'm at family gatherings or out to dinner with friends yeah. on a Saturday or at the lake or, right. you know, all these various places where that feels like you're supposed to, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this makes me think back to college too, though. And it's like, I mean, yes, it would be difficult, but I used to also be in a situation where I'm like, oh, if I'm out drinking, I also should have a cigarette in my hand. Could right? you imagine going through college without drinking? Not the way I did. I mean, college. exactly. I mean, like for us, that would be crazy. You know, it would feel like, what do we do? Yeah, <laughs> and it, and it's just it's built, the lake is. It's built into like professional life culture, right? You go to happy hours and all this. Like, it is. It's just. I mean, there's all the advertising. Everybody's having fun and all this. So it's it's ingrained in our culture and society. And like, I don't know. I'm again. I'm not trying to make it beat up on anybody that. Is drink? I'm not saying I'm even quitting. I don't know. I don't know. It's just something that no, is like really turned over a, a feeling of, of everybody needs to be entitled to doing whatever it is they want to do. You're not a negative person. If you eat bad food and you don't lift weights and you drink beer all the time, you could still be one hell of a friend to me Yeah, and we could still, you know, you could provide a lot to this earth. So I think it's just, I think the cool thing is no matter where people are at physically or mentally. It's when people start to make changes and challenges within themselves as they're growing and getting older to just become better with whatever it is they want to be. And that's like, if if people as a whole could start to understand that, it's not you painting out alcohol to be a problem. Mm-hmm. It's you painting out like, well, it's just my relationship with alcohol and what I want to do. I'm not shaming others from that. Um, but now, like, what's going on with alcohol? Because alcohol seemingly is kind of like taking a step back. And now I've started seeing all this stuff where it's like mushrooms and weed and stuff are all the new. Like, instead of like the wine nights with the girls, they're, they're all these posts talking about how you know, psilocybin might be like, you know, magic mushrooms might be the next right. little thing. Right. And it just, you know, I see the benefit in all these things because I've, I believe in a lot of these things, but then it just also leads me back down. The reality is like, we're still searching for something to fill the spot of disconnection Mm. in a way. And it can be a healthy disconnection. It can be a bad disconnection, but we're still like looking for something instead of just, I don't know. There's always got to be something to kind of fill that void. Yeah. No, or I, we're just two does. sober guys sitting here talking and that's not, <laughs> maybe that's just not, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's tough because I think that, and that's the, the tricky part is that we find excuses to make it seem like it's not that bad or that it is healthy. Right. And I think that we see that right now with marijuana where we find a reason to use and in some cases even abuse something in the name of well, it's it's it, it it's healthy. It has it has yeah. been, and you you've seen that in exercise even right, Dude. where exercise is a good thing, but then there's also a point where it's not, and you know eating a calorie deficit's healthy until it's such a calorie deficit that it's not, and we make up these reasons for why it's healthy and it's acceptable when really we're being abusive to something. Hundred percent, and so any. And this is just what you said earlier, where even these things that have a benefit that they're, you know, coconut water. Great. You like coconut water. I love coconut water. Big fan. I think it's it's great. It's a great post-exercise mm-hmm. substance. But you can drink enough coconut water to kill yourself because there's enough potassium in it, right? Like, you can find, like yeah, people yeah. have 
it's possible to do those kinds of things, right? So you can abuse anything, but um, it's some of those things that are those, the substances in particular, which I yeah. think is just kind of interesting how we trick ourselves into like, yeah, I'm going to drink wine every night because it's got resveratrol in it. It's, it's, it, look, there's a study that says it's, it's healthy for you or whatever. Yeah. We trick ourselves. Well, I, I tricked myself a long time ago when I quit drinking. I was not a, just a normal social drinker. I was drinking hardcore and it just was not serving my life at all. And I started exercising and, um, that just like both those worlds don't exist very well if you're trying to do them both at a high level. And so it's funny how drinking slowly started taking a back seat, fitness started taking a front seat. Um, everybody in my family talked about how much healthier I was and how, you know, it really just viewed me as a better person. And I remember being young in that exact time. And it's like, I don't know if this is actually healthier. Like I'm actually just taking off one drug and going to the other, but we're deeming exercise as healthy. But to our point of, as we've been talking about, I abused the shit out of it. And to a point how I quit drinking at at that time, I wasn't mature enough to be like, I don't need this. It was more like I need this other drug so much that then I looked down all these rabbit holes in the fitness in, in world. And I convinced myself that drinking alcohol until you, you know, digest and pass the alcohol through completely, then your body's catabolic. And it, there's a lot of truth to that. People can look up the, the, catabol- the catabolism and the effects of alcohol with being catabolic. But I had just completely compartmentalized and told myself, like, if you drink, there's no recovery and muscle building action going on until that shit is gone out of your body. So I'm not going to fucking do it. And then what do you start doing? Well... I'm bored, so I need to start smoking weed. And then, oh, but this is healthy, you know? Yeah. And then I was the biggest weed proponent for so many years, and literally part of green strength was built upon marijuana, people. I mean, it literally was. But I hit a point at which I had to, you know, kind of look at myself and be like, this is not healthy. Like, I'm I'm abusing something. And um, so, yeah, I don't. Th- I think it doesn't matter what drug of choice we're going after everything's got some sort of health benefit everything's got some sort of health destroying negative but it really comes down to the balance of our lifestyle and where we're fitting things and and us being content with our decisions i think yeah and at least being like critical of what we're doing you know yeah and we've talked about so many different ways of eating and you know, this included, right? Yeah. And and how how we do things and it's just being critical of why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I okay with that? Where I'm at and do I need to change? It's funny because my Instagram feed and all that evidently we're, you know, the algorithm knows us. Right. It's gonna be all alcohol. Uh, so I'm getting no, I'm actually getting all the like non alcohol alcohols. Oh, really? You know what I mean? Have you seen those? So there's no. there's all these these uh I don't even know what you call them, but they're like, they're like cocktails or they're liquors that have no alcohol in them, but they're mm-hmm. sort of like a creative with that. And they say, oh, we're putting adaptogens in them and whatever else. And mm-hmm. uh, so there's sort of like you get the idea of a cocktail, but there's actually no alcohol in it. Uh, so kind of interesting. So maybe I'll try a couple of those, see if they're. <laughs> there you go. There's your lake thing. <laughs> there you go. There's, yeah, exactly. Or just take my route. Just get you a couple clean empty beer bottles i like it throw some aqua in there and nobody even knows hey nothing wrong with it 
it's like it's like being the kid in a little high school party back in the day. You're nervous. Yeah. So just drink the but, water. Yeah, see, but see, I'm going to want the real thing, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to want the real thing. So we'll see. I don't know. We'll check in later and see how that goes. But something we're strongly considering of of giving it a giving it a pass. So we'll see. Be interesting. Well, it's going to be interesting to see the challenge that it takes for you to do it. It's going to be interesting to see firsthand when you hear somebody who's not having a, a, a negative thing to say about alcohol. But it's just like I don't, you know. Let's. It'll be easier to hear the positive benefits you feel from it. Yeah. It's like, man, I, you know, I haven't drank an entire month or two months, and automatically I'm a tiny bit leaner without changing my diet up. I'm sleeping a little bit better, like all those things. Mm -hmm. And then I, those are the beautiful things in life. Once we we kind of feel those, and it's like, okay, it, like I, anecdotal evidence is, I feel better. We're onto something. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. Working for me, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be kind of interesting as we explore that and and see how that goes and and sort of the social impacts of it and and everything else. But um, I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be very kind of fascinating to see how that all shakes out. So we'll, was, we'll see how it goes. I was talking to a, a guy the other day in in jujitsu, and he's one of our our newer guys. I know you've probably rolled with him. He's he's a tough he's i believe he's like a he might be a green belt so he's he's still a white belt in there um but uh, he's tough and obviously he i've never really talked to him about fitness but we started talking about strength training and stuff and, and flexibility or whatever he was it was going on and i thought it was funny because like as he started talking and talking about like man like i'm good with this stuff but like what i need is like da -da 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 -da, all these things and it's like dude Believe me, like I'm a meathead. I'm right on the same page with you. I wish we could just talk about, let's do this and let's put this crazy ass program together. But it's like, if we're going to be real, like we need to do these other things you're talking about. You need to get good at them. You need to know how to fit them in. And then you need to look at your actual training and think about, because this person was also talking about some bad knees. And it's kind of like, you know, do you think my knees are bad? And it's like, well, I don't know if your knees are bad, but I don't think they're bad. I think what I see you doing here, they can't be too bad. And then the second thing, it's like, man, it's probably your programming. But then that just, people just don't understand. Like it's, it's like you're criticizing somebody else's work and it's like, well, I'm not criticizing so-and-so in the program you follow. It just maybe you are not doing it correctly. It doesn't fit for your lifestyle correctly. Like unless you're working with that person one-on-one -on -one and they developed it for you, it, they're not at fault for writing a bad program. They wrote a sound program. It just doesn't fit for you. And the way you're executing it doesn't work for you. Um, so is, I think that's a, that's, that's an interesting thing because that's a question I got on a, a couple other people just asking for different random advice but the answer always comes back to like, man, I think you're doing all the right things. I think we just need to clean these sort of things up and put a better organization, a better system on it. And then also kind of lowering your expectations, lowering your expectations of like what you did when you're 25 and say you're 40 years old now. It's like you got to have the 40 year old conversation with yourself. You got to look at where can we, where can we still do these things as a 40 year old? 
yeah. with these responsibilities, with this pain, all that kind of stuff. So it just, I don't know if it gets back to just taking accountability of our life, really looking at everything, the whole balance of things and figuring out what, what we need to really thrive, what we want to be doing, what we want to be doing in 10 years. And that's an important thing to think about. I've been thinking about it more so now than ever. It's like I've already have 15 or so years of mileage on my body. And it's like, okay, well, uh, 10 more years of mileage is about to happen. And if I don't start thinking about it, it's going to be over. And what I do today and tomorrow is drastically going to, you know, be able to like show me what I can do in 10 years. So it's interesting to start thinking about those things. I don't think we're ever too young to start thinking about that. I think it's just responsible. Yeah. It's, it's that coming to grips with, especially depending on, you know, each person may be a little different of when that transition starts to happen of you just can't start doing the same things or go the same pace or, or whatever. And, I don't think I'm quite there yet. There, there are times where I'm like, man, I'm a little bit more tired today than I felt like I was five years ago. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just, uh, and then you start to think about, well, how can I adjust things? Where's the, the stuff I can do so I can keep doing the things I want to do and figure out the stuff I can live without. Yeah. And just pacing, right? Like, you know, I always feel a little bit envious of those guys that are like, oh, I'm out here training jujitsu six days a week and all. I'm like, I can't. I physically can't do that. My body doesn't like that, you know? So what is with that? Like when we look at, when you look at things and strength conditioning is perfect in this because there's, there's that, there's that advice that's, that's totally stood the test of time and is optimal. Like Andrew Huberman talks about it all the time. Dr. Andy Gaplin, all these guys will talk about it and everybody reshares it in today's time of like, you know, you need, two to four strength training sessions a week. You need two to three just aerobic steady state sessions a week. You need one to two sprint for, you know, 10 to 15 seconds, four to six times once a week. You need these things and you kind of look at it and it's like, okay, this is the path. If, if I carry that out, I'm pretty much a one percenter in exercise for the rest of time. You know, Mark uh, Sisson, you know, doing the same thing. He's a very smart older gentleman who who shows and teaches people that you don't have to just do an airdyne bike for hit training you can go play ultimate frisbee and and live a healthy lifestyle and get these things but my point is we know the the optimal level for the 99 percent of people to be the absolute world's best to be the michael jordan to be the one percent you break all rules. It, it's not healthy anymore. It's not optimal anymore. It becomes a full-time job, full-time lifestyle. Mm. We still try to attach ourselves to those people, even though we know we're in the 99, and it's fine to be in the 99, not the one. We can still be <laughs> as competitive as we want to be. Right. But when we start to look at like, okay, well, we need to train more times, more rounds, more days, even though we know that like an approach that you've taken, which I really respect is that like two to three at most a week. Mm -hmm. But when you're on the mats, you're able to like, you're, let's say you're on the mats for two hours. You are present for two hours and you're intellectually thinking, you're learning and you're, you're drilling and you're moving. 
what I noticed that when I get into just five, six days of training a week, it just becomes more I'm getting through it. Mm-hmm. And I don't quite have as much bandwidth to start, you know, thinking about things. When, when my strength training has always been very high frequency and through the roof, it just became the same thing. It just became like, I got to see this on paper and I got to fight through and get these sessions done versus like actually having a plan that I can manage for the long haul and fine tuning it and finessing it and get the most out of it. I don't know. It's a weird, it's an interesting human trait that we have to want to gravitate towards the more, the harder, the more depressing, the more uh, you're going to feel tired, the more it's just going to take away from your life. But we feel that that's what we have to do to get us to this place we can get to with so much less work. And and the crazy thing is you don't have to, and I'd, I'd love to see if I can like pull this up, but, um, is, is visualization is a very, it's, it's very effective. It's just as effective as, um, just full training. So I'm probably gonna be able to find it right here quickly to, to put up on the screen on our, our YouTube version here. But, um, the idea being that if you do something six days a week or six sessions a week of a skill or whatever, or if you do three days a week of actually engaging in the skill and three days a week of visualization, that those two end up having the same results. Now, a hundred percent visualization doesn't work. Um, but like 50, 50 visualization combined with actually engaging in the activity results in the same skill gain and ability as somebody who's just doing the double amount of engaging in the activity, which I think is fascinating. So you translate that to something like jujitsu, right? And so where does visualization come in? Well, I can't train six days a week, but I can train two to three days a week and also two to three times a week. I can do some study and I can watch some jujitsu. I can watch some matches and still have the same amount of progression as somebody who is training six days a week. I think we get lost in, in that of like, well, I see this on like Reddit threads and stuff on, on talking to people who want to get into jujitsu. And it's like, well, can I get better if I'm like, can only train two days a week? And like, I've been for seven years, I've been training two days a week. And like, I think I'm a lot better than I was two years ago. So yeah, you can, but perhaps you can, stay caught up to other people that are training more. If you can also do some of that visualization and the outside work, that's not actually even engaging in it. So you got to be responsible. Well, you got to just, if that's a priority for you, you right? Gotta, like, you got to love the mundane. Some people. Yeah. I mean, you got to like the, the mental aspect of it. You got to like the study of it and not just doing it. It's uh, like the hardest part in the exercises we always joke around about is of course, everybody wants to come in here and, they don't want to do the hard shit, but they, they're in here to do the hard shit. Yeah. And they don't ever want to rest. Yeah. Even though they want to rest. Yeah. It's hard. But there is so much more value to visualization is, I mean, just look, all the greats have talked about it. Mm-hmm. You went Mamba mentality. Mamba mentality is visualization. Absolutely. You know, Michael Jordan, you know, visualization of thinking about all the people who said this, all the people who did this, you know, the players that did that, he never let anything go because he was always visualizing, you know, whether it's to an unhealthy status, but that's how they make it so far. And 
That's, I don't know, man. Have, have you seen a cool runnings you ever watch? Oh yeah. It's been the a movie long back time. in the day. You know, they like, they get in the bathtub and they're like visualizing yeah. their training. They're on the bathtub and they're just, they're, they're memorizing and they're visualizing and they're practicing the leans from the bathtub, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's something that people at the highest level do. And I mean, you take like professor Raphael, like obviously he trains basically every day. But he's also doing so much more outside of that. And yeah. when he's training, a lot of that is almost like is visualization. Because yeah. like today when we were there, he's working with other high level guys and they're brainstorming and they're thinking through positions and they're 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 doing the more of the the mm -hmm. mental aspect as opposed to just going in and just going hard every right. day, you know. Right. Um, so it's something that I've kind of had to But that's do. that's the key for results across the board. Um, in anything you want to get better at something or you want, um, you know, better fitness, you want better health and stuff. Like it's not just about the physical, it's about the mental side of it and like visualizing a healthier lifestyle, visualizing how, you know, you have enough, um, oh, enough, like just care and, and for yourself to be able to, to do the small the small things that, that aren't just going in there and tearing yourself up all the time. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. I, I love all this, like the hypnotizing and the, the visualization coaches and stuff that are out there. I think those kind of are probably along the, the lines of the same thing. Um, I think sometimes we, we hear hypnotizing and we, we think of a lot of goofy, different, crazy things, but I think a lot of times that it's just trying to get a lot of these guys or get people into, into a quiet space where they can listen to their breath, they can pass their thoughts along, they can start putting the right thoughts in their head, and that is a that's a trance, a powerful trance. Absolutely, you know mantras and uh, have positive affirmations. So and this those falls things all matter. Man. So this kind of falls in line with the theory in jujitsu. What kind of happens is the the new belt theory. You know, like. When you get a new belt, when we were blue belts, you know, we primarily were in the blue belt gang. So we might have gotten to the verge of almost getting our purple belts. So it was kind of like we were top tier blue belts. But that's 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 who we fought. When we fight purple belts, yeah, we might be able to get some of them. But they're purple belts. We're not quite there yet. They should get us. And then you get the purple belt, and it's like, well, there's... A lot of, nothing really changed, but a lot changed because now none of these motherfuckers can get me. <laughs> like, you know, like I can't, like I'm, I'm on this level now. And you drastically, not everybody, but the majority of people kind of change. It gives you that little bit of, uh, it's like when you see that color on somebody, your anxiety starts or a little bit of like, poor me or an excuse, it's okay. And you start to become a little bit more timid. But when the color is the same, then it's like, well, I got to go. Right. Like, and you're not as timid. And that just kind of happens as these levels go up. So it's kind of almost in that same thing. It's like visualizing that you see the color and then, you know, like you're, because when I don't visualize the color, when I just go have fun, if I, you know, a black belt, a brown belt gives me a round and I just, it's somebody that I'm really cool with. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm just going to go for it and have fun. And I'm like, holy shit, I had a good round. Right but I totally could have mind F myself in that and be a, a completely different round yeah. just from a little bit of timid stuff. Yeah. 
But it's all that kind of visualization, it's that mindset, which is just the key to everything. Oh man, it's I've so... always sucked with the mindset on uncertain times. I've uh, I've been really weird of being able to channel my mindset in like these. If it's always been in in, com- in competitive stuff and mainly exercise, um, I'd say a couple times in jujitsu uh, that were o- that were okay. I still didn't do like a ton of jujitsu, but I had like a good mindset where I was just like not gonna fucking lose. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and I always laugh because I've been able to apply that to exercise. And those those few times in life where I've been kind of put back into uh, back into a corner where it's like. Okay, now you have to be an adult and you have to apply that same shit to this over here. And then you do it and it's like, fuck, God, we are capable of everything. Yeah. If we just put our mind to things and, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's always you, funny how that stuff relax. goes. I was talking to, uh, so shout out to our uh, training partner and good friend, Jonathan Ramish. Um, I was talking to him today. He went out to Master Worlds last week. We talked about that and he had five matches, submitted every one of his opponents uh, just game, just took him down. Anytime he started to get put in a bad position, nope, he's out and he's back on top and and putting his game to work. And so, you know, I was talking to him just a little bit about today and, and we talked about how loose he was and how, because I was like, man, you went out there and you didn't just go win, like you subbed everybody along the way. Like you just crushed yes. everybody. And we just talked about that. He was like, you know, I was just feeling it. I had that confidence. I was loose. Like you could see him out there. Like he, he was knew. just comfortable. He was ready. He knew that morning when he woke up that he was going to go out and he was going to submit all of his opponents and nothing was going to stop him. But he also didn't, but he was loose about it. It was just, it was a confidence, not a, uh, not a pressure, right? He didn't it's do it in a way that puts the pressure on him. It was just, yeah, he had it. And man, now, it's like, Oh, I'll tell you what never crossed his mind is, well, this is what I'm going to do. If I do end up on bottom. Yeah. That didn't cross his mind that morning. Mm-mm. Like I guarantee you like that morning it was, I'm going to take everybody down. I'm going to do my and thing. I'm going to make them play my game. 100%. Yeah, only five minutes. Did. So huge congrats to him. Two-time Master World Champion. Yeah. Uh, and it was a beautiful thing to watch this year, for sure. Yeah. And he definitely had that. It's, it's that aspect of when you can tap into that, you know, maybe what they call it, the flow state, well, and all those kinds of things that play into it. But it's just that that mental... That's what Professor Raphael, Professor Shanji have. I mean, that's why we we talk about them so much, because it's like... Where else are you going to be blessed with having the opportunity to spend, you know, coming on two decades now around literal one percenters in a combat sport? I mean, we're mm-hmm. talking two of the greatest martial artists of all time. And so being able to, to travel the world and, and be around and watch Raphael and listen to him think and listen to him, you know, he is the king of visualization. And I love it because... I might be speaking a little out of context just going with what I see from this, but I see him like build it all together. Like not to say, cause I have seen him at a time of, of like, Oh shit. Like in a bad spot. Like I've seen him depressed with a thought and like, you know, maybe he didn't win a match and he's upset and it didn't go the way he wanted it to, but you watch it over like a course of like a week and it's like, okay, well, one thing, he, he internalizes it, he takes it, he shuts down the outside world a little bit, and he then he thinks about it, and then he goes back and looks at it. It's like, this is where I did wrong. This is the mistake I made. And then he has fun with it, 
Because then it's like, now I'm learning. He comes and in and he teaches, all, to, teaches yeah, all of us. So this is exactly where I made a mistake. This is what I should have done. And then in his head, he's kind of like, okay, data, data, data. But then he always gets to those places where he just starts bringing the why back, bringing this, this moment, this event, this time. And he f- always finds ways to connect why it's in line with him. Mm-hmm. And he brings alignment into it. And I don't know, I've always, that's been the number one thing that I've loved of being involved in his career is watching him internalize and visualize things. And I do have a, I remember now a story of that. It was really an awesome story. And since we were talking about social media earlier, it kind of has this because when we were in London, he did this post with his shirt off and he's all ripped up and stuff and uh, looking just fantastic. We're in amazing shape. And he does this post and he's like flexing and stuff and it gets a bunch of views. And then the next day is when he does this post where he says, Hey, will you take a video of me for a second? And I didn't remember because I'm like, God, this is like a five minute video. And I was holding it up. My shoulder was getting tired. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't think this, but he says, will you, sh- will you shoot this video for me? He sits down and he pulls that picture of the belt, the Bellator belt out of his back. And it had like, it was like faded and had sweat stains and stuff on it. It had been in a martial arts bag and he starts a story on the camera and starts talking about how the day that he signed his contract, the Bellator, he's been carrying that around because that's always been the goal. Like the visualization of, you know, this fight, this next, 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 the belt is the goal. I'm going to take the picture out and put the belt in. Dude. And so he's going on this story about it and I'm just like in shock because at one i'm like holy shit man i've been with you this whole time i didn't know you had that in your bag like i didn't know that that was i knew you saw yourself as a champion and stuff for sure but he had this from day one Mm -hmm. planned and um to watch him just like talk about his why and the reasoning and his his visualization to all that and the power that that gave him you know because you could really see it it was like it's a weird belief, man. You can feel it come from another person when you're like, this is his time. Like, this is his moment. He's, he's in the flow state. He's, he's relaxed. He's, he's got all this stuff figured out. He's, he's prepared for every angle of battle that can happen. Um, but the funny part of that conversation and that whole deal was the next day he was pissed off because the shirtless photo got way more likes <laughs> than this heartfelt one of where it's like he's almost in tears talking about you know everything that happened with the brain and you know the, the one that has an, the one that has an actual all message. of this and i'm over here almost in tears like filming it you know but it, that was the that was the time that was the the moment in there that i really knew like dude dude's gonna be gay garden saucy you know because not that i didn't believe it because but there was some time it's kind of like it really doesn't matter if he loses his fight as long as he represents, like this is a great fight against a you know one of the greatest of all time. So he's he's in a win win situation. Then all of a sudden you find yourself, it's like he's gonna win. He can't lose. He can't lose. But it's all visualization. It's all mindset visualization, and just uh, putting those positive thoughts in your head and doing the work outside of the work. The hours and hours and hours of work that were all mental and none physical. And that shows up in dieting, fitness, jujitsu, being an attorney. <laughs> I mean, it's all, of it. all over the board. Yeah. Superior. That's our ultimate hack. Yeah. 
It's crazy. Absolutely. Well, coach, we are out of time here. Give me final thoughts for everybody. It's been a, it's been a good, good chat. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. We're going to Vegas next week. Yeah. One week and, we um, leave in a week. I'm really excited to just like watch this tournament, watch all these people compete um, and watch our senseis and our people do their stuff on their last dance. You know, we had a, a camera guy in the gym this morning. Yeah. Eight days, 21 minutes. And, uh, you know, Raphael, yeah, Raphael was like, you know, this dude has been with me through every single ADCC, but one, my entire MMA career. And I'm kind of like, holy shit, like this is half. (laughs) And then I'm like, man, this is the last ADCC. This is it. But this is the first, this is the first one that I've ever going to see in person. So it's kind of, that's kind of cool. That's going to be a fun time. I can't wait. I mean, me too. I've watched you know, he's been doing ADCC longer than I've been doing jujitsu, of course. Uh, but the last couple of them, mm-hmm. since I started training, paying attention to, and this one is going to be a lot of fun to be able to go there. We got some great tickets, got a huge crew going out. We've probably got 20 or so people from, yeah. from the academy going out there on top yeah. of other, other, other parts of the team coming in. Zach it's, Adamson, Evan, yeah. Seaside. Seaside guys coming in. The family's coming out from there. It's going to be... It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. But um, yeah, before we go, I do just want to kind of go back to that question real fast because I told the person I would answer it. Um, Don't always, you know, if your body's hurting, you're aching in certain places, don't just put it as the body is bad. What is the input on a daily basis, both physically and mentally with the visualization? What is the inputs and the stress being placed upon the body? Before we go just try to get the knees scoped and think that you know we're in a a world of trouble let's step back and let's clean up our diet let's clean up the way we're moving let's clean up our programming and see if that starts to do something because i don't want to say nine times out of ten but it's almost nine times out of ten if people become responsible things that usually fix it and then realize like oh that's all it took. And yeah. it's like, I know it just takes you being a little bit more attentive, a little bit more, uh, you know, also becoming a little bit more appreciative of every single training session. I feel like when I, when people are in those achy knees and bodies hurting, they're just, they're not respecting their sessions and they're just getting things in. So, um, clean up the programming, clean up the movement a little bit and see if that kind of starts to help. Beautiful advice. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Good little chat today. It's good to yeah. be back here doing the Green String Podcast and bringing them to you on video as well as audio. Of course, we have them on the audio platforms. Please, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please go give us that five-star rating. Um, that certainly helps us to find some more people out there who want to hear the Green String Podcast that we're talking about. Also, go check it out on the Green Strength HQ YouTube page. Yeah. Uh, we are putting them up on video. If you decide you want to watch and, and see our beautiful faces along with our sultry voices, you can do that. We're going to start that. doing them shirtless. I I thought about it today, but we'll wait. We'll see. We'll see what happens with we, the algorithms and yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so go give that a like as well if you don't mind. We sure appreciate it. And we'll see you next time right yep. here on the Green Podcast. Peace.